When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. What's going on, stranger? You betcha. I called you a stranger. That's because this is Craig Cottle, director of Nature Line School, co-host of the Survival Show podcast, coming back at you again today after a little bit of a layoff. I have missed you all tremendously here on Manly Musings. Thanks for joining me again. Ah, you betcha. That's a big sigh of relief right there. It's been an incredibly busy month, and I want to thank David and producer Ben for their graciousness and not giving me a hard time by the fact that I have been writing furiously for Field and Stream Outdoor Life and Jim Cobb's magazine's outdoor, Backwoods Survival Guide, as well as teaching a, how shall I say this, a buttload, <laughs> a buttload of classes for our school here, Nature Reliance School here in Kentucky. Yeah, it's been a busy time, you all, and I haven't been here for Manly Musings. David and I have been getting together, obviously, for our together time on the podcast, but I've missed my solo time with you all, where I get to dig into my own head a little bit and share, and hopefully you'll give me some feedback, and we can work on all this cool stuff together. You know, as we say at Nature Reliance School, come on, join in, let's learn together. So yeah, I'm excited to be back. I thought what I'd do, at the very least, is as coming back in and, and digging into subject matter that relates to survival, is try to give you some insight on how we do a survival class at Nature Reliance School. So a lot of our listeners are alumni of those classes, so to you all that are listening in, Hey, thank you for your support of Nature Reliance School. For those of you who have never attended a class with us, obviously, we would love for you to attend a class with us. This class that I just completed yesterday, and I'm back on the podcast today, is the last of the season for the 2019 season, or at least the weekend classes. I have some shorter classes that I'm doing, but but yeah, it's it's been full, and what I thought I would do is some of you may want to uh, start your own survival school. Some of you may want to steal the ideas that we utilize at Nature Reliance School and build them into your own. And some of you may just have a passing interest in how a survival class goes and what the heck survival is and all that kind of good stuff. And so what I thought I'd do is I'd go through, because I don't have to, quite frankly, I wanted to get a podcast out and I don't have to prep because all this stuff is right in my head right now because I've been doing it for a long, long time and I'm happy to share it with you because I think you'll discover as you hear my take, which is a way of doing things, not necessarily the way of doing things, but is a way of doing things, particularly in this subject matter, is a way of teaching survival, then you'll get some ideas on why I do what I do and you can apply some of these principles to your own survival training. Or you may just disregard them altogether, but I doubt you will. You'll probably pick up some tidbits. As a matter of fact, I know you're going to pick up some tidbits that that uh, you're going to be able to utilize. 
So, yeah, training. First off, why do we train? Well, we train because we want to get better at some subject matter, whether that's shooting a basketball or making a bow drill fire or building a shelter or learning how to communicate more effectively with those that we care and love. All of that requires training. All of that requires us to seek out instruction from others, whether that instruction comes from somebody in a class, whether that comes from a book, whether it comes from a YouTube video, whether it comes from the others being the environment itself, being the thing that teaches us. We've, we need to train. We need to go out and expand our knowledge base and allow it to become an experiential-based way of learning. So, yeah, that would be the first thing that I want to make sure that we cover. I may have said this before, but we humans learn skill-based things and ways of doing things in three different ways. We learn by watching people doing things. We learn by listening to people talk about things. And we learn by doing things. Now, my particular perspective on the subject is that you should be spending about 10% of your time listening to people talk about things. And you can do that through a podcast like this one. You can read a book because you're basically reading someone's words as they would present them to you as best they can. You can watch people do things. That's looking through a book as well and looking at photos that are descriptive and a way of doing things. You can watch YouTube videos. You can watch TV. You can go to a class. You can, again, in listening to people talk about things, you can go to lectures and stuff of that nature. But the bulk of your learning in experiential-based learning and skills-based learning should be done doing things. And so without a doubt, anybody with the drive can, let's just pick one thing, can learn how to make a bow drill fire. You can, somebody figure that out on their own without any instruction somewhere in probably our long ancient past, right? Somebody figured all that out. And they didn't have YouTube videos and they didn't have my book or anybody else's book for that matter. They figured it out on their own and now we have just been re replicating that for the most part ever since. Or somebody has been. So the issue with that is that that takes an inordinate, considerable amount of time to be able to do that. And in the modern world, where for most of us, survival is a thing that we do just for the safety of ourselves, or it might even be a hobby. I know it hurts a lot of people's feelings when I say that, but there's just a lot of people that are in survival and bushcraft that are in it because it's a hobby. They're not really serious about it. They just do it because it's something to do and they enjoy it. And there's, and again, there's nothing wrong with that. Just recognize that's why you do it. You're doing it for the enjoyment of it and be okay with that. But here's what we need to be able to do. We need to be able to recreate skills under stress. Because survival, when I say survival, a true situation where you may perish, you may die, is a stressful situation if you allow it to be. And so one of the things that we try to impress upon our students in a class, like I just completed yesterday, leading a class of, uh, I think there were 16 people in that class. Golly, they were good people too. But one of the things that we've got to, we like to focus on at Nature Line School is what we refer to as mindset, skills, tactics, and gear. 
And that also was the focus of my book. That's actually, it's been the focus of all my books. I break all of them down in mindset, skills, tactics, and gear. Even the book that I co-wrote with Tracy Tremble, we talked about the mindset, skills, tactics, and gear of wilderness navigation, for example. Uh, we talked about, we. if you look at the intro to the Survival Show podcast, the intro to the Survival Show podcast is mindset, skills, tactics, and gear, right? Mindset being how to develop your mind so that it is strong under stress. Skills are all the things that get focused on so much. Shelter building, fire building, water purification, edible plants, traps and gigs and stuff of that nature. Food procurement, foraging, all that stuff. Tactics is just how you work with others, whether that's physically working with them or in your communication. And then gear is the other part that a lot of people focus on. You know, who's got the better knife? Who's got the best pack? Who's got the best purifier and water filter and all the things that go along with it? So from our experience at Nature Reliance School, looking at real data, and this is the, the root of the way we do things is based upon statistics and data, okay? That has a lot to do with the fact that I am the director and founder of Nature Reliance School and I have a degree in statistics. So numbers appeal to me. And when I'm teaching things, whether it's been self-defense, I taught martial arts and combatives and self-defense for over two decades, whether I'm teaching survival, fire building, or whether I'm teaching situational awareness to a corporate client on active shooter, active aggressor, and how to handle yourselves in that situation. No matter what I'm teaching, I like to look at the statistical likelihood of things happening and spend the bulk of the time that I'm focusing on the education that I'm offering or the lecture that I'm offering or what have you on things that are statistically likely. And so if you look at the statistics of how people in a wilderness environment, let's say, for example, we're discussing wilderness survival, not just simply urban preparedness, but we can look at that too. Uh, probably more so actually sitting here thinking about it. The, the thing that people, when they're prepping or preparing or getting themselves ready for a disaster or survival, they focus on skills, they focus on gear, and they bypass mindset and tactics. And quite frankly, that's a huge mistake. And so let's get into the, in the day of a life of a person that comes to a survival class at Nature Reliance School, for example. Look, Bumble knows you're exhausted by dating. All the, must not take yourself too seriously, and 6-1 since that matters, and what do I even say other than, hey? <sighs> well, that's why they're introducing an all-new Bumble, with exciting features to make compatibility easier, starting the chat better. And dating safer. They've changed, so you don't have to. Download the new Bumble now. Hey, it's Ryan Reynolds, and I'm here with Keith, co-star of my upcoming film, If, only in theaters May 17th. Do you want to tell people the big news? All right, I'll do it. Sign up now, and you'll get unlimited for $15 a month in six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan on us. MintMobile.com slash switch. Upfront payment of $45, equivalent to $15 per month. Unlimited over 40 gigabytes per month. Face lower speeds. Videos at 480p. Active Mint customers by 531.24 get six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan. Auto renews after six months. Offer ends May 31st, 2024. Separate Paramount Plus registration required. Terms and conditions apply if rated PG. Let's say a class runs from Friday to Sunday. This is how we're going to do it, and I'll lay it out for you. We'll probably have time to lay this out for you, and then I go into more detail in part two so that you get some more insight into how you, you take what it is that I'm offering you, and you make it your own and utilize it the best way. If you're teaching scouts, if you're running your own survival school, you know, steal some ideas from me, use them, 
uh, just give credit where credit is due, right? I mean, golly, that drives me crazy in this industry where people just steal crap and ideas all the time and never give credit where credit is due. So with that said, uh, you come into a class on a Friday night with us at Nature Reliance School. First thing we're going to do is we're going to get everybody set up and camping. And what I mean by camping is literally camping. It's a camping trip in a level one class. I tell people before they get there, hey, I want you to bring the kitchen sink if that's what it means for you to be comfortable. I want you to sleep good. I want you to eat good. You bring a big camp stove. You bring a backpacker stove. You bring a side of beef. I don't care. As long as you can fix it, bring it. I want you to eat good. I want you to sleep good. Because those are the two things that prevent most people that go into a wilderness area from wanting to go back. If those two things are jacked up, then they don't go back. So I, I tell people, fix that. Oftentimes we'll fix food for the group as a whole. Sometimes we don't. I tell people to come prepared to fix their own food. And what we have found, instead of fixing food, that happens when everybody's responsible for fixing their own food is that everybody comes in with their own way of doing things and we all learn from one another. And we did that heartily this past weekend, man. I mean, there was one guy and we were offering two or three different options to cooking his food. And he's like, you know, I appreciate it. Thank you. But I'm wanting to use this stove to learn so I can learn how to use it properly. And so I was like, yeah, I dig that. I like that. So we'll do that on Friday night, get everybody set up, and then we do what we refer to as a risk analysis and risk assessment. So I go over with the students the things that are the most likely, statistically likely issues, and then we determine solutions, predetermined solutions for those problems. Like, do we have 911 service if we need it? Uh, we always determine that. Uh, if we're, you know, we have a home base of operations, but if we're moving around and doing classes, I always check and see what the response time is for EMS services. I typically notify them before class and say, hey, we're going to be in your area. This is how you get there sort of thing. I actually contact them when we're doing that. Um, we also take a look at if, if it's applicable to the training. This is not necessarily much for civilian training, but if we're doing some first responder training or military training, we'll, we'll actually find helo landing zones and coordinates for those and, and stuff of that nature so that if it is needed, then we know where we can put a bird down and uh, go about it that way and getting people in to take care of a issue that might come up. We talk about the concerns, the most likely concerns. Specifically, we talk about health-related issues. If someone, let's say, for example, is allergic to bee stings or is a type 1 diabetic or, or has some other health concerns, then I tell them they need to come to me as the leader of that particular class on their own. Now, I do that for, so people can have private health concerns. But I, as a leader, need to know, for example, if, a, if, I, have a, if I have a type 1 diabetic in class and their blood sugar is going so low that they're unresponsive, I need to know where the glucagon pen is. I, I want to know where that is so that I can administer that. Um, beyond that, what we always do is a safety discussion. We talk about how to utilize tools in class, how to properly utilize them. Actually, uh, since I'm an ambassador for LT Right Knives, I lay out on the table, uh, I don't know how many LT Right Knives I've got, 20? I've got a bunch, man, and I lay them all out and let people look at them. And I lay out K-bars and, and other makers as well 
and an effort for people to see what is out there. You know, this is what this grind looks like. This is what this handle material looks like. Uh, this is what this tip looks like. And this is how we would utilize this. And this knife doesn't do this very well, but this one over here does a better job of it, and so on and so on and so on. So we'll look at knives. Sometimes we'll look at hatchets and tomahawks and stuff of that nature if we have time. But all that's done in an effort to help us learn how to safely go about conducting ourselves in that class as well as after we leave class when we're solo. So there are some things that we do in particular to make sure that our class is exponentially safe. Not just safe, but exponentially safe. So that nobody gets chopped in the foot or cut in the leg or sliced open or anything of that nature during a class. We we take some, some would call a little bit over-the-top means for ensuring that safety. Uh, safety is something that I'm kind of keen on. I really like my students. I don't want them to get hurt. And so I go over the top when I'm putting together safety ideas and risk and make sure we have answers for them. The other thing that we do is we talk about wildlife concerns. Depending upon where we're conducting class, we might be talking about ticks and mosquitoes. We might talk about bears. We might talk about any number of wildlife concerns. And one of the things that I have done in the past, particularly, I didn't do it this last weekend, particularly if I have a really big class full of people that don't spend much time, if any time outside, overnight, I'll actually, I've got a, a set of recordings on nighttime sounds that they can expect to hear. And so we'll go over coyote sounds, we'll go over, you know, a fox or a raccoon fighting, which is pretty dramatic if you've never heard it. And if it's new to you, it might freak you out a little bit. Uh, we talk about um, the different bird sounds that we might hear, owl sounds and stuff of that nature. And that way, when they hear them in the middle of the night, they don't cause them alarm. They go, oh, yeah, that's that uh, barred owl that Craig heard us or let us listen to. And it's not really a danger. I can go back to sleep. And that way, they, I'm helping them as best I can with their morale. Uh, helping people with morale and getting, again, good sleep during a training event means that our students are fresh, they're ready to rock, and and they're ready to learn. Because when they come to a class, I want to over-deliver on what they've paid for. And by doing so, then by, doing, by helping them with their sleep, I help them with their morale, which helps them learn, which basically I love building people that learn when they come to our classes. It's, I'm not interested in building people that are just idol worshipers or they're the type that come to class just just because they can say, hey, I went to a class. I want them to be educated when they leave. So that would be what I would say is what we do as an initial entry into a class and uh, the way we handle that first night. What I'll do in part two is I'll go over day two, and then I'll discuss ever so briefly what we do on test day. Uh, test day is pretty remarkable, <laughs> the way that we do testing at Nature Reliance School. Uh, we had a guy in class this past weekend who's been to nine different, nine different survival schools. And he said, I've never experienced anything like I experienced this weekend with you all. You all are just top of the heap. So, you know, that's really humbling. And I was very excited and happy for him that he got so much out of class because there's just, again, there's just things that we do that nobody else does, and, and I'm thankful that we get to have the opportunity to help people and, and help them become stronger and wiser as it relates to being outdoors. So, yeah, that's what I'm going to do in part two. 
Thanks for joining me in part one. Now, here's how you can apply some of the principles that I've talked about here is that think about it in your own family. Think about it in your own group. Maybe you're a scout leader. Maybe you have a family and that you want them to be on your side when you deal with disaster or survival. Then by all means, start applying some of these things that I've discussed. One of the big ones is having a safety brief, having a discussion. Look at the risk associated with, for example, here in Kentucky, let's just say tornadoes. So that's a disaster type event that is likely to happen to us here in Kentucky. Not in every location every year, but it's it's very possible that you could experience a tornado in Kentucky, whereas you can't experience a hurricane, for example. So in that manner we need to look at the risk associated with a tornado, how we would handle ourselves and how we would handle contacting EMS and getting help to one another and all the things that go along with it. So utilize this discussion as to how I do a survival class to catapult you into training those that you love and care for. And that way, when we get dig into part two tomorrow, then uh, you can start applying those principles as well. So yeah, guess what? That's part one of Mainly Musings after I've been gone for way too long. Thank you for your patience. I'm so glad to be back. I'm looking forward to sharing more and varied information as we move forward with the Survival Show podcast. David had some uh, fantastic ideas on some guests that we're looking at getting on the Survival Show podcast. So so, uh, be looking for those as we move forward. As always, be looking at all the different ways that you can support the survival show podcast uh, you can get on the survival show.com website get on tiny survival.com website uh, check out the tiny survival guides on amazon oh my gosh they're crushing it according to day i don't know how many david's selling over there but david is saying that they're selling really well so thank you so much i know a lot of the support has come from you guys we so greatly appreciate you as always here at the survival show podcast Keep it simple, be positive, and stay sharp.